the Talking Bollocks podcast. TB or not TB, you decide. Hi everybody, I'm Benjamin, the UK's most hated South Australian, and this is another episode of my podcast, Talking Bollocks, TB or not TB, you decide. Now today, I've got a great guest. Uh, he's a gentleman, don't hold it against him. He is from America, he is a Texan, but everyone loves a great state of Texas. Rodeos, barbecue, and shoot 'em ups So, but... He's coming from, I'm going to let him introduce himself. He's a great guy. I've done some work with him in the past. He's a, he's a down in the trenches salesman. He's he's a sales enabler. He's just going to introduce himself now, and then we're going to crack on with the show. So over to you, my friend, Louis. Thanks, man. It's super good to be here. It, like it, It's like the highlight of my week to talk to somebody who I feel <laughs> like I can see eye to eye with, right? So... Um, I'm super happy to be here. And like you said, like the word, be, like the phrase being in the trenches, that rings pretty clear to me because as a sales enablement person, you are selling every day as if you were a frontline salesperson selling something tangible because I have to get buy-in. And a lot of times what I'm selling is very, very hard to sell to directors, to quote unquote sales leaders. Um, CSOs, things like that. So I'm, I'm pretty you, beat up over that? here. Who do you work for and what are you doing? Just for the audience, because I, I, I never like if you, what do you mean by sales enablement? So someone watching this thinking, what the hell is he on about? So, so sales enablement is the translation between what the business vision is and the then that gets down to the skills of the actual salespeople. So there's a big training component, yeah. like, and it doesn't just come from the sales message. It comes from product or everywhere else. Well, we want to, we want to introduce a new feature in the product. Fine. Sales enablement takes it and makes it something that the salespeople can actually have a conversation about. It's like right? a dialysis machine. It takes the Yeah. We take it. It's, it's the channel. It it right. Salespeople, right? Yeah, it's the channel manager for all of the different areas of the business. And we take whatever those messages are yeah. and we try to remove all the bullshit that gets in the way of that so that the salespeople at the end of the day can have the conversation that's that gets that vision done. And it is, it's relatively new, to be honest. It's only a decade or so old as far as people understanding what sales enablement means. That's what it really means. So there's a huge training component, there's a huge sales training component. Right. So we look after the product knowledge and everything else, but product knowledge is not a skill. It's just something we have to do. Oh, you know. Very good. I'm glad you said that. Product, you've got to take, product knowledge is not a skill. We'll come on no. to that. So why don't we start at the beginning? Nobody, as you know, and anyone that's watched my podcast knows I start off with this. Nobody, with the exception of the odd oddball, wanted to be in sales growing up. This is, no. this, this is something that we fell into. So how did you fall into this wonderful world we call sales? What happened? How did you get in? Well, I was, I was fairly convinced um, from the time I was about 15 years old that I was going to be a rock star. <laughs> but I, I went about it in a really serious way because, you know, I thought to myself, you know, I'm applying for the best job in the world. I should probably learn how to play my instrument. And um, I, was, I was still a relatively screw, screwing around and stuff from 15 to about 20, but then I got really serious about it. I did go to university. I did study economics and all that stuff. Um, and I formed a, a rock band that had the opportunity to tour. We were recorded a couple albums. We were pretty good, but we were- What was were... your band called? Because I bet there could be someone watching this that may even know you. <laughs> what was your band? Come on, what was your band? The irony of the band name- uh, is so palpable to me now that I almost can't repeat it, but the band was called the ending. 
We were pretty good. I'll be honest. I've been, I'm still a musician. As you, I mean, if you look around, there's, you there's, ever lose the musician bug, do you? You can't. It's no, no, you can't. Or you, if you're the type of person who's compelled to make music and then you're, you're, you're forced somehow forced to stop. That's like being in, in solitary confinement. You can't do that, but it doesn't pay the bills. Right. And now no. I'm in, I'm in my mid forties. And so the band, the band fell apart and, 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 you know, true, you know, behind the music fashion and whatever. I went to Los Angeles for a year or two to try and learn how to do recording engineering. And I learned a lot there, but you're, you want to talk about an expensive place to live. That's one of them and whatever. So I came back and the only thing on my resume was that I worked at a restaurant when I was in college, but I was also the manager of that restaurant. So then I got into the restaurant business, which is my biggest regret in life. Um, but I was a hard worker and I was good at it. So I started getting good money and I took over like bigger restaurants and I eventually, was the director of training for uh, six, a six, like about a $40 million operation. Wow. Right? So, but it was, it's not like uh, you're just the director of training because if, if, if Billy calls in sick because he's hammered out of his gourd and can't cook that night, now you're the cook. So now I worked my ass off to make good money and now I'm, I'm doing the cook's job. And that happens on the regular because of how screwed up the restaurant business is in America. So then I found myself like, in survival mode right can't go back to music at least i thought i couldn't should have um so i'm like i'm getting another job i'm going to be an aggressive a really aggressive employee in in in, in terms of i'm going to do exactly what i'm told i'm going to learn exactly what i'm being taught and i'm going to take it very seriously i'm going to read on it and all that stuff and that was sales and that started with wayfair and within i think a year i was on the training team wow Wow, what a story. Wow, musician to sales. It's brutal, man. I can imagine that. That's quite a... So what is it about sales then? What is it about this, this wonderful world we operate in that gets you up every day, that gets you going out there in the trenches doing it? What, 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 what do you love about it? What, what, what is it? I, I love the psychology behind... I, I, lo I love things when, they're, when, when you get people to understand that if they can force themselves to sort of untangle the spaghetti of programming that they've been living with their whole lives and just do a couple of things differently. And then you listen to their conversations and they're like, oh my God, they send you a call. Listen to this call. I did it. I did the thing. And the person actually listened to me or I asked the question and the person couldn't, you know, the person had to respond exactly the way you said that they had to. And, um, and then they, they start thriving and making money and stuff like that. That's awesome for me. And I, I love the human, I love the humanity of sales because Everywhere you look, you think, oh, man, look at those engineers that built this, this thing or that thing. And it's like, no, you, you're looking at that object because of good salespeople, yes. period. Good, I like right. that. The engineers are good engineers. And please don't promote them to managers. Let them be engineers. Yeah. Let us sell the stuff, right? Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what it does. If you can't communicate that to your prospect, they don't care. Yeah. You know, and so I believe that that's fun for me, actually. I actually do have fun doing it. I'm passionate about it. So I get pissed off when people are like, no, that wouldn't work in Mexico. Yeah. I know the feeling. And it, it, you're, 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 a, you're, a, you're a New Zealander telling me that that wouldn't work in Mexico. <laughs> like, and, and then people say, oh, that won't work in the UK, especially when I pitch a lot of this, the ideas that I ripped off from you, right? I'm like, <laughs> well, that's ironic. I said, and I'll say, and I'll get people get so mad at me sometimes i'll be like are you selling to human beings do they own this thing that that we sell to 
do they have these problems that we espouse that they do? Okay, then it doesn't matter and you're wrong. Yeah. We can sell there. This technique will work. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> it's the most irritating thing in the fucking world, man. Because like, if you told me when I was on tour that, hey, man, this is you from the future. You're going to be a sales trainer. I'd have punched you in the face. But well, I really no, do. exactly. I mean, I, I think I think somebody who becomes a sales trainer has been on a weirder journey than a salesman. Because oh my god, you got to sell first, right? You got to yeah. sell first, and you got to do all that stuff, and but you have to be good at it. Good enough to teach people, and you've also got to be good enough to do what you teach. Because I think one of the biggest issues that I have met when I've got into companies is we've used sales trainers in the past, and the, the feedback is they were crap, and it's like they just stood up with a PowerPoint. They gave some try. I mean, they're teaching us that you need trust to sell. I mean, why am I paying you to tell me something I already know? It's yeah. I don't really need trust. The question is, my guys can't build it. Yeah, yeah. It. And, just- and, and and when you get feedback like that, another there's a gremlin hiding in that whole idea because you may have gotten crowdsourced feedback from a, a whole sales org that doesn't want to change. Yeah. We we hated this sales trainer. Well, why? Well, he wants us to change everything we're doing. Yeah, yeah it's because you suck. <laughs> of course, he wants you to change. Well, I, you know, and, and then we never, we'd never have honest conversations. I try to be as honest as I can be with everybody. Yeah. Prospects, the people that I'm training. I'll, I'll cut somebody off and I'll say, and I'll, when I'm doing a one on one call coaching with a recorded call, this is a call that happened. You did this. Okay. And now we're going to break it down. But I'm going to tell you the truth. And I want you, before we listen to this, we're not going to have this training unless you can handle me telling you the truth. Okay. Now I'm not going to call you a piece of shit. I'm not going to question your heritage, but if the first 30 seconds of this call sucks, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you how to fix it. Yeah. Are you okay with that? And they're like, yeah. And then, so when you build that kind of relationship with, with people who actually want to get better, the listening to the recorded call, especially in groups, especially in groups like your team, it builds tribal knowledge and it brings the team together in a way that nothing else does. It's like, could you imagine Tom Brady not watching game film? I'm assuming Tom Brady's a US football player. Okay. Who's the most famous athlete in your mind? I was, well, I, I just thought Tiger Woods because we're on the American theme. Do you don't think that Tiger Woods watches endless videos of his? Oh, of course, any professional does. Um, top right. surgeons watch surgeons. And, yeah, oh yeah. God, yeah. Do you know how many sales organizations, like big ones, don't listen to their calls because they're afraid of how it might hurt the feelings Absolutely. of their they, salespeople? They come up with crap like it's well, in England. They say GDPR, which doesn't prevent you recording calls or uh, privacy concerns. That's all bollocks. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, um, so- that is interesting. So let me ask you a question because I, I ask all my guests this question. Without mentioning any names, obviously, can you recall your worst sales manager or sales leader or sales boss? And what was it about this particular person? So, so wrong. <laughs> We're not talking about people bringing hookers to um, parties or things like that. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> Uh, the answer is yes i know exactly who this person is and i i have to be very general about it you know but yes of course like i said we don't want anyone to be identified yes I, let me just say what let me just give you a rundown of of what causes failure at that level yes at like the director level yeah. okay 
Presumably, if you're a director of sales in a multi-billion dollar company, then you were a kick-ass sales person. You probably theoretically, knew. that's the theory. Theoretically. Yes. Now that doesn't mean that you had great technique. That may mean that you are uniquely talented in a way that can't be taught. Fine. You're a diamond in the rough, whatever. So presumably you went through higher levels of sales and bigger deal structures and you learned how to do, bring the company more money in, in bigger deals. Oh, who do we need? This is a huge deal. Who do we throw at it? This guy, right? Fine. And so you go through your whole career being successful, right? Um, and then you get promoted to manager and then you download all of what, what works for you into these people and you either you whip them or break them in front of the wheel and um, and they do well enough to where you become a director. By that point, your feet have left the ground so much that it's miles below you where somebody three weeks out of training is talking to prospects at the lowest level that you no longer have a frame of reference for how that happened, yeah. right? And because your ego is as big as it is and you can't be bothered to look at data, whatever you say goes, and this is where the, the snowball of incredible failure starts to roll downhill really fast. They don't make sales calls to their frontline prospects anymore. They think that everything is an enterprise sale. They think they're in a niche market. They think this won't work in other regions. They, uh, you know, they, they have all these hallmarks of, of just the worst possible pr person to promote to their level of incompetence. Why wouldn't you just let him be a salesperson? He was, he had to have been making a lot of money and potentially more money than he's making now. It's like the engineer is really good at being an engineer. Let's make him a manager. He doesn't know anything about being a manager. Why would we do that? Cause he's doing a good job. Give him some more fucking money. Yeah. He spent his whole life trying to be an engineer. It's just, it's, it's, they, they have no, they're the way that they're ability to understand our prospects and what new sales folk have to do is eroded to nothing. So they just start throwing shit everywhere and they're pretty soon everybody's confused and then you have attrition. Yeah, it, it's, it's a very common problem. Companies promote their best salespeople into management, completely different skill set. Uh, and you lose a good sales, we get a crap manager. Um, some, some organizations are worse. What they do is they give the manager their own book. So they say, you still got to hit a target plus manage these people. Now, what, what's the matter? The manager's only going to focus on one thing, hitting his target, because that's the only thing you can measure. So then you yeah. now, now you don't even have a manager, but you've got a guy with all this responsibility, doesn't want, plus a book. Yeah. Everyone starts to get pissed off and angry. Exactly. And Actually, that it's funny you say that because um, that came up, that came up in a meeting today. I was like, <laughs> he's like, we should do this. I'm like, I don't you're you know and it came up as a response to the the, the managers aren't coaching enough so so you want to give them a book of business too i, I feel like i'm taking crazy pills I, I just like every time i open my mouth i, I feel like a pariah because like no it, they always hit me with this stuff they want like i'm like just test it just let's test it yeah. we don't have time to test it we have to do better now we're not going to do better now it's just this endless, it's a circular argument that never ends. And it's, so it's brutal. And <laughs> I do have fun coaching though. Coaching with, with the people who actually want to get better is kick-ass. I love that. No, I agree. It's a very fulfilling job and a fulfilling career. Uh, I have people phone me up that I've worked with. I had one I remember recently phone me up. He said, I just wanted you to know I'm seven months into my year and I've already hit my target. 
And he goes, it's because of the training we've done together. I go, well, well, I said, well, hold on, I've done nothing. You've done all. So what are you doing differently from seven months ago to where you are now? And he goes, I'm asking for more money. You've changed my concept. I, I'm, I'm planting my feet. I'm not discounting. And I'm saying no. It's amazing. He goes, how many people, when you say no, they don't run off and say, well, screw you. They come back and say, all right, well, it's worth a shot. Yeah, I, I get hit with this. Wonderful. Like sometimes I'll say shit that silences the room and I'm just like, oh, fuck, why do I talk? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we were talking about the question at hand was, um, we were listening to a call, a group of managers, me, L&D, and the, the, the prospect said, in a rare mo- occurrence, the prospect said, well, what does your product actually do? And this is where an inexperienced salesperson will, will, will become a feature preacher and do a sales dump that never fucking ends. Yeah. Right. And so they're like, oh, and that's exactly what happened. And so we went around the room. It's like, oh, well, what would we do? Like, oh, she did a good job of naming the features benefits. I'm just like, oh, my God. and um, all this stuff. And like, you know, it was all very like, you know, positive. And then they came to me and they said, well, what would, what would you have said? I said, oh, well, for, for starters, this product solves the problem that you're losing probably in the area of $2,500 a month. If, I, if that was true, wouldn't you want to know how I came up with that number? <laughs> if that number was true, what would you say? And they're like, oh, you can't say that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? Why? It's the truth. The, we, we actually know, like based on our, like that's some sort of metric that we can know. We, can, we can't guarantee, obviously, some like sort of massive uplift because they could run their place in the ground tomorrow, whatever. But based on their connectivity or whatever, based on X, we, we can really generally see why because we're getting fed data from our product all the time from yeah. people who are using it. So if that were true, why wouldn't you say that? If I could point out to you right now that there's some reason you're losing $2,000 a month, you're going to want to know why. So what was the reason your colleagues gave you that you couldn't say that? You're going to love this. Yeah. And this is the, these are the three words that I, I can't, it haunts me. <laughs> they say, they usually go something like this and they touch their chest and they go, I just feel. Ah, and there we have it. And that is, that is the fun. Of, I just feel. And it's like, if you're in sales to get your own personal emotional needs met, you need to get out. <laughs> you know, I, I say buy a dog, become a social worker, join the join the Democratic Party, yeah, if you care that much. But don't yeah. go into business or into sales. Oh yeah. my goodness, I, I know those words, and I I just don't feel I could say that. I don't feel that would be right. I just get the feel, your feelings are right. Imagine your lawyer say, I just don't feel my client's guilty. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just feel, I just feel like we shouldn't fucking pay you anymore. Yeah, you know, like it is, and this is it because salespeople they don't want to make money; they want to feel good. Well, yeah, you know, they come, they, they. I point out to people, I'm like, look, this isn't like putting a roof on a house in July in Texas. This isn't digging a fucking ditch that never ends. Like this isn't picking up huge rocks and then walking them to the other side of the state. You're in your house. I got a stuffed animal right here. 
I'm in comfortable clothes. I might not be wearing pants. And all I'm asking you to do is fucking ask a question. <laughs> it is, it is, it is challenging. I hear that. So let me ask you this thing. Otherwise, because we could talk about this for hours. Our critical parents are now out and we could bitch and moan <laughs> forever. Right. But we won't do that because it's not fair on the audience. So my my next question is this then. Can you think of the worst, the most humiliating, the most embarrassing, the most awful sales experience? that you were a part of where you just, oh, it was awful. For, for me as a salesperson as a or salesperson, for you out there. Yeah. In your sales career. Um, yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had my share of train wreck calls, just like I, I assume that everybody who was never trained properly in the first place has had, um, Oh, I want one sticks out, but it's really not that it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing, but it's not like a, a disaster. So I was, I called a prospect. Um, I called a prospect with a female uh, name yeah. and a, a man answered the phone. And I said, you know, this is, this is me. I'm looking for so-and-so. And, and um, he's like, who is this? I'm like, well, she, she signed, it was an inbound lead. So she's like, uh, she contacted us actually. So, you know, can you please let me choose? And he's like, well, what's it about? And he was a really pressy gatekeeper type of thing. Yeah. And this was too, this is actually, you know, it was, it was supposed to be business to business, but this was actually more of a consumer type of situation, strangely enough. And he's, he kept pressing it. And finally he wouldn't transfer me because um, he, he just wouldn't, he was be, doing a very good job of being a gatekeeper. I said, well, she signed up for this professional program um, for uh, interior design. And I'm her point of contact for this particular account. Yeah. And he goes, ah, oh. well, she doesn't speak English. And then without missing a beat, I go, well, we have a Spanish team. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, uh, she doesn't speak Spanish either. Oh. And that was pretty ignorant. And then he hung up on me. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> just, uh, just me being an idiot, right? Like, I didn't mean any, I didn't yeah, mean that any was harm a bad by assumption. it. I'm just an idiot. That was a bad assumption. Oh, every crazy. day, every day I do something where I'm like, am I, am I stupid? Like, and then I look at data and be like, the data's like, data's like my warm blanket. Yeah. Data, data taps me on the shoulder and gives me a hug and says, no, no, mo mommy data's here. You're going to be okay. Everything's <laughs> fine. Um, but, but I question my abilities and myself on a, on a minute to minute basis. And it's, I don't know. So looking back, if you could go back and talk to yourself 14 years ago, before you got into sales, what advice would you give yourself now? What would you say to yourself to do differently? What would you say to yourself about your mindset? Yeah. Just, just what advice would you give you about other than don't do it? Other than that, <laughs> I was I was wondering if you were going to amend that and qual qualify that statement because it would have been save your money, stay in music. Yeah. Um, I would have given myself the advice of approach like if I could have a, a two minute conversation with myself who was about to go on a sales journey, like I'd made the decision I was going to be a salesperson, I would have said, look, you're going to be hit with a lot of different ideas. Okay different people are going to train you with different stuff. And it's very, very difficult for you to know whether or not this is right. Okay. So be a good employee, do the thing, but remember if what you're telling your prospect, isn't the truth, something is probably wrong. Good advice. 
if what you're telling them isn't to the point, the exact to the letter of the truth, whatever you're being taught is fucked up. And I would also say, I would say amateurs practice until they get it right. Professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. And the number one rule would be if you're not uncomfortable when you're practicing, you're not getting any better. So get used to being uncomfortable. That's very good advice. Well, look, we're, we're coming to the end of our half an hour now. So oh, I've really enjoyed the chat. I can keep doing this. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it's easy to bitch about stuff, right? It is. Hard, it to, is. hard, well, hard to solve. When, when the critical parent bit of your brain comes out, you can wax lyrical. But we can't wax lyrical for it. So look, if anybody wants to reach out to you, if anyone wants to contact you, how do they get a hold of you, Louis? Uh I, you know, this is a fortuitous moment too, because I am, I'm looking forward to doing some actual uh, training, some, some actual consult, consultative training like you are. I, I would only hope, I would only hope that I would be the most hated, detested American sales trainer on planet earth. We could be brothers, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, they can reach me at my uh, personal email address, which is my first name dot my last name at Gmail. And my first name is Louie, L-O-U-I-E dot golden, G-O-L-D-E-N at Gmail. Well, there you have it, folks. So if you're either in the United States, you don't even have to be in the United States. If you have a global business and you're looking for someone that can perhaps help you remotely or in person in the US, looking for someone to help enable your sales team, then um, reach out to Louie because uh, he's receptive to such approaches. Well, I'd say reach out to you because you're better, but at oh, this particular point. After I reject you, go to Louis. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but there's a, there's a, there's a thing in there too, because I, I may not be as good as you are yet. Uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully someday, or hopefully I can get out of sales. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, because of that, I can't demand the same sort of, uh, you know, price that you can. And so maybe that's something. It's all a matter of mindset. So anyway, folks, I'm going to wrap this up. So we're on. That was another episode of Talking Bollocks, TB or not TB, you decide. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Au revoir.